Welcome everybody to Everybody Love House Music and More. My guest of the hour, Mr. Alan King. Alan, how you doing today, brother? I'm good, brother. I'm I'm really good. I don't have a Grammy winner in my house <laughs> every day, so this is exciting for me. Too, well, I bro. appreciate that, man. I appreciate you being on the show. So we about to get in it. Uh, let's do it. All right. In some ways, you are an unsung pioneer of house culture and the building blocks leading up to the genre of house. What year did you get started DJing, and what records were you playing at the time? Man, you're going to make me say how old I am right right from the jump, huh? <laughs> Uh, so the short version is I, I started DJing in 1977 and, and really I didn't have any plans to become a DJ. I uh, graduated from eighth grade that year and I decided I was going to have this big eighth grade graduation blowout. Um, so I was the DJ for the party. You know, I didn't have two turntables or mixer, or didn't know anything about that at, at that point in time, but really fell in love that day with, you know, the, the the act of putting on music and having people react to it and, right. and, and picking the next song. To, so you, what year was that? That was 1977. So it would, be, okay. it would have been May of 1977. Oh, wow. So after that, like I, I had the bug. So right. I'm like, I went researching, have my old man take me down a Pacific stereo. You remember? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's, oh, so yeah. I figured out, we you know, know I got to get two turntables and I got to get a mixer. And, right. The old man could not understand why I needed two of the same turntable. Right, right, right. And so anyway, like so... Two of them, Yeah, wow. yeah. So, you know, um, so from that point, 77, 78, 79, I was, I was getting really popular, um, you know, doing parties around the South Side, high right. schools, basements, backyards. Um, and, you know, when I, when I first started playing in 77, it was more R&B stuff. You know, right, it was right. Cameo right. and... You know, mass production, Correct. firecracker, yeah. different okay. stuff. Oh, that was a little bit later. But um, so anyway, I, I started to get a pretty decent following in the late 70s. And then I would find myself running into these two rival DJs oh, yeah. named Wayne Williams and Jesse Saunders. Oh, wow. Um, okay. who, who had a, a, a group called The Chosen Few at oh, the right. time. Okay, so that was my next question. What year yeah. did you join The Chosen Few? And were you first to join... Yeah, uh, since it was Wayne and Jesse already, I, I think Tony Hatchet might have beat me by like months. Okay, but but seventy nine or eighty, Tony and I um, joined after Wayne was obviously the founder, and Je right. Jesse was right. the first at least DJ member. There's a longer story about chosen few okay. non DJ members, but oh I'll wow, leave, okay, I'll yeah, leave, we, I, we gotta we gotta get into I'll, that now. I'm, who, I'm gonna leave who that to Wayne Williams, oh, but oh, that's a part two then, Wayne. <laughs> yeah, right, right, but. Uh, so yeah, so it was it was Wayne and Jesse and I, you know, we were kind of on the same set and doing you know the same parties and and right. um it's funny that the Wayne and Jesse at the time used to have these white jackets with with blue stripes okay. that had CF chosen few on there. Really? And I was like, damn, I, I want one of those jackets. <laughs> uh, so that's why you want to be in a group just to Yeah, just to get on. the jacket, wow. you know. And uh anyway, things sort of came together and 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 Wayne invited I think Tony a little maybe months before me and then me to be part of the crew. So Okay, what what year was that when you first joined? Um it was 79 or 80. Okay. Um, either late 79 or early 80. And then a little bit later, Andre Hatchett um, became the, the fifth member. And, you know, okay. for a while, Andre was just Tony's little brother. Wow. And, you know, we just let him during the week kind of keep the equipment at, right, home, right, at, right. at his house. And so he practiced and, you know, oh then we, yeah, then, then we, you know, graduated to 
letting him play open the parties okay. when nobody was there. Right. And eventually, you know, we, we looked at each other and said, damn, this kid can play. <laughs> That's um, right. That's right. And yeah, so, those, so we were the original first five members of the Chosen Few. Okay. So Wayne Williams says that you guys connected because he needed more DJs with their own records to meet the demands of the parties. Yeah. Please tell me your version of that story, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't particularly care for that story because uh when, when he tells <laughs> Come him on, it, Alan. It, it it sounds like he only got me because I had records right, and not right, that, right. That, that that I could throw down. Right. So he knows better than that. So I I think it was a, it was definitely a combination of of you know, like I was I said, you know, I I'd fall in some parties and he'd be DJing, he'd fall in some parties right. and I'd be there and you know, I think I think obviously I pre- impressed him with what I was playing and how I was playing it. But it was significant that I had my own records too, because right. really he, he had he had the, the the one crate for the chosen right. few, right? And he had his eyes on my second crate. <laughs> um, so where were you getting your records at the time? Um, primarily, it was a spot called Sounds Good Records, okay, and it was on Belmont and Broadway. Um, and this is, you know, the, the late seventies. And in fact, um, sounds good is the first record store where I ever saw had a section they called disco. Oh, wow. So they had their little disco section and, you know, this is 77, 78. Right. And a lot of records from sounds good, but then, you know, Metro music, different places. And then, then obviously, um, right. Um, uh, now I'm forgetting the little place in the alley. Imports, et cetera, Imports et cetera, eventually, et cetera, yeah. eventually yeah. but yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So can you recall the evolution of what ultimately became house culture from your vantage point? Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad you mentioned house culture because I, I, I always explain that those are two different things. Right. There, there, there was a culture of house music and then, you know, an official genre of Correct. music, of course, called house music. Right. But for me, um, like a lot of other people, I mean, the culture was in large part built up around the warehouse club okay. and, and and Frankie's club. And, um, you know, I, when I first started hearing the word house, right. it was in reference to the warehouse. Okay. Um, so it would be that scene, but also the music, like, you know, music Frankie was playing at the time. You might hear, hear somebody say, oh, damn, that's house. Right. Like, you know, it's the kind of stuff we hear Frankie playing down at the warehouse. But it, it really at that time was still disco, you know, it was more underground disco than, you know. Right. So uh, when did you start attending the warehouse and, I, and yeah. how old were you at the time? Yeah, I honestly did not go to the warehouse until I turned 18, which okay. was in 1981. Okay. So, um, um, I got stories of hanging out outside the warehouse, <laughs> right. outside the Jeffrey pub, right. you know, all these places where I like fell in love with this music. Right. But I, you know, I, I won't tell the, the Chicago lie of uh. I got the, the fake ID and <laughs> all of that. So I started. Well, you was there from the beginning. So. No. Nah, so yeah, I was, but I, I, I started. So a lot of people don't realize. So the chosen few, we were a really big crew okay. before Wayne may have been to the warehouse, but before right. any of us, um, you know, went to the warehouse. We we were playing similar music, okay. and I think I think one of the biggest things that chosen few, you know, prior to the picnic, which is a whole right. different conversation, but probably one of the biggest things that that we did is we we were introducing the kind of music that Frankie was playing for a largely black gay, okay. adultish audience right. at the warehouse and and other gay clubs around the city. We we were 
I think primarily the ones at that time that were introducing the same music to straight, straight kids, right. kids, high school kids. Right, right. Um, so, since you said that, we, yeah. since attending the warehouse as a straight kid, yeah, what do you think you why why do you think you were so open about that? Man, the whole experience just grabbed me. I mean it. It was the music, of course, but it was the the sound, right. and, you know that that just bass the whole vibe in there. Yeah, the whole vibe in there that. You know, I, I couldn't have cared less if people were having sex, men and men or women or women, right, right, right next to me on the right. floor. I didn't care. I was focused on that on sound music. and the music. Wow. And I had no hesitation whatsoever about going there uh, after the first time I went. And I know a lot of folks and a lot of pioneers in right. the scene that were very homophobic and, right. and never went for that reason. Yeah. But, man, I loved it. I li- Once I went, I lived there. Nice. Until it closed, and then basically. you you start going to the warehouse in eighty one, eighty one, eighty one. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. and you speak often about your friendship with Frankie Knuckles. Yeah, how did that develop from fan to friend? Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's crazy, really. So back in those days when I started going to the warehouse and then the power plant, um, I, I used to, and I forget how I got up the nerve initially, but I used to go in there with a cassette tape. Mm-hmm. And I would pass it up to Frankie. Oh, really? When I get there, and he he'd take the cassette and he'd pop it in there, and he'd flip it over, and I would leave every night. And this was more so at the probably at the power plant than okay. the, the, warehouse. the warehouse. But okay. um, he would record these tapes for me all the time, and we started to develop a rapport. But it wasn't until much much later he had obviously gone on to New York and lived there for a while. Um, but when he moved back to Chicago, we, we, we became really good friends and right. uh, just got really, really connected. And and that was amazing. I mean, he's obviously, um, you know, the man right. from, from my perspective in this whole scene. But, um, you know, to, to become close friends, you know, I had the honor of speaking at his mo- memorial service right. and, um, you know, I... I I can't talk about him too much because right, I still right. get misty. Yeah, I but. <laughs> no, I say. All right, so your but, career path must have yeah. taken you away from the Chicago scene for your education. Yeah. What year was that, and did you stay connected to DJN during that time? Yeah, good questions, because I, I definitely was more involved in the pre-house right. era. Right. So I left for college in 81 Okay. and uh, played basketball in college, so I had a lot going on in right. law school for 85 to 88. So, you know, I, I did miss a lot of the, you know, when you guys started putting out right. the records yeah. and, you know, I'm away at school and Jesse's telling me he's got a record out. Right. I'm like, what, <laughs> what do you mean on? you got right. a record out? Right, right, right. So, um, so I, I, I stayed connected with it. Obviously, a lot of friends were, were putting out records and starting to blow up and right. going over to Europe and, and all of that. Thanks, Steve and Jesse and yeah. Farley and others. And um, so I, I never lost touch with the music. Um, and certainly with what, because everybody kept calling and tell you what's going right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, but yeah, I'm I'm the first to admit that I I, I was kind of a big player in the pre-house scene, right. but then in the '80s I was a little bit removed, and then kind of came back, back to it later on. Okay. So, yeah. so when you uh, since you yep. said that, so yep. were you around when the Hot Mix Five first aired? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And how do you think that impacted Chicago, particularly on the South Side? Um, I think it was huge. Um, it, it probably was bigger on the north side and other parts of town mm. the, than the south side. And I only say that because there was this teenage south side scene that, okay. that 
you know, chosen few and others were doing, right. you know, Sours or Sawyers, depending right. on how you pr- right, pronounce exactly. it. Right, <laughs> First impressions and, and, and different different clubs, um, candy store, all these different things. So right. so there, there was a scene uh, on the south side, I think, before the Hot Mix 5 really got big on the uh, airways. But okay. once they did... I got nothing but love for Hot Mix right. 5. I mean, the, the, the reach of that BMX signal. Yeah. And that's it, interesting that yeah. you said that because why do you think Farley was picked for the Hot Mix 5 instead of maybe Jesse or Wayne? Um, you know, Farley does a lot of tricks. Right, and, right. you know, we, we in fact, way back in the day, and I, and I remember when Farley was not a DJ at all. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I knew Please Farley. tell us the yeah. stories, man. Come on. Yeah, Alan. I mean, the first time I met <laughs> Farley was was at Jesse Saunders' house. Okay. And I think he was, at the time, kind of apprenticing and, and kind of learning right. from Jesse, but he wasn't a name. He wasn't out there. Right. So I, I, I remember when he, he wasn't a DJ at all. But once he became a DJ, and I'm not sure where this influence came, because I don't think it was Jesse... But and we started calling him New York because, you know, he'd do the scratching and, right. and, and, and backspins yeah, and, and all that stuff right. that you'd associate with the hip hop DJs in New York. Right. So we used to call him New York. So, I, you know, I don't know. the <laughs> used to call him yeah, New York. Yeah, we called now. him New York. Oh, wow. He might not even know we right, called him right. New York, but we called him New York. Okay. And, uh, you know, he was super talented. I mean, you, you, you can't deny that, yeah. um, what, what he could do. So m- maybe it was the sort of the trick part of it that. That caught the the programmer's eyes at, at, right, at right, BMX. Right. I don't know for sure, but so we we come to the very controversial uh, matter <laughs> of um, how do you think or where do you think house music came from and the name or the term house music in your perspective? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like I was saying earlier, I mean, I I always explain it that there was a a, a culture and, and even a music that was referred to as house. I think before you can say there was an official genre of music, of right. house music. Right. And as I understand official genres, I mean, you have to put out, at the time anyway, records, records. that that has some association with the, the genre. So, you know, Jesse has conditioned me well enough to, to say <laughs> that On and On was the first uh, of those records. But obviously, you, you, you don't have a really an official genre of music until... Right. You know, Jesse's record comes out. Obviously, Chip's um, EP came out. You right. know, Hurley soon after, and a lot of a lot of you guys were were, right. were making records. So I I think that actual record production kicks off the official genre of music known as house music. But before that, like I said earlier, um, people were were talking about. I mean, it, it, it could have been, you know. Right, so hold on. So, yeah. so, so, Mr. Wayne Williams yes. is saying that yes. house music came from people playing in a house, disco in a house, and that's what it was calling house music. I, I, I've heard him say that many okay. times, and all, all I can say is that that may have been his experience. Right. It was not that, my experience. Okay. That's, I, that's what I need to know. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't have a recollection of people talking about house coming out of house parties, right. unless, and, and maybe this is the confusion, because people would people would hear things. And they would say, oh, man, that's house. And I always understood that to be, they're referencing, that's the kind of stuff Frank was playing down at the warehouse. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and, that's, where I, that's, yeah. that's where I got it from, too. Yeah, exactly. So, so since you said that, yeah. so uh, you're saying James, uh, Jesse's record, On and On, was the first <laughs> house record. Or was it Chippy's, Time to Jack, It's House, or Jamie Principal, Your Love? <clears throat> well, 
the the Jamie conversation is an interesting one because J- J- we heard Jamie's music before we heard any of that. Correct, stuff. right? I mean, Frankie was playing Jamie's stuff from reel to reel. Definitely earlier at the power plant. I I get confused. It's been so many years, but I think even at the warehouse we were we were hearing some Jamie stuff late mm. at the warehouse, right? And it just wasn't pressed on a record, and right, it wasn't right. available yeah. in a That's record true. store. That is true. Um, but I leave that to other people to who are better. <laughs> so you still saying to, now Jesse's the first house record in? Well, I, I I think it's the first one that was pressed and sold as a record. Um, I know Chip and others say, well, why right, why was right. that a house record? Because you know that Jesse was sort of yeah. redoing a, another record that already existed. Right. But I, but I think one of the the things, the earmarks of, of house music was you guys, DJs, producers, making their own tracks right. in their homes with these drum machines. Right. So Jesse falls into that. Oh, now, yeah. Whether he, whether he right. says house, house on the record or right. Jack on right. the record, right. he, 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 he falls, you know, what, what he did was consistent with what came after. And even people like Marshall Jefferson will say, you know, if Jesse hadn't made that record, I, I, I never would have thought I could make a record. Is, right. So, okay, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. So does your day job ever get in your way of your DJ career? And have you ever felt felt there was a time where you had to choose before? It it does get in the way. <laughs> um, and it, honestly, it's probably harder than, than I make it look. Right. Um, but I, I, I do pass up a lot of opportunities. I mean, I would love to do more in, in Europe and... Yeah. I mean, I, I just can't with my day job like right. disappear for a week oh, all, the, all the time. Yeah, I know how that so, is. <laughs> <laughs> so there, so there, there's that, and, and and then certain things, you know, I try to stay away from most things during during the week, okay. and you know, right. so yeah, but I can't complain, man. I, at this point, I'm 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 rocking and rolling at there you at, go. That's, at that's both ends, so I, right. I can't complain. So. So you're, you're friends with a lot of full-time DJs. Yes. Do you ever feel like your job makes you any less le- legitimate as a DJ? I, I really don't. Uh, I, I don't feel that way. Um, you know, some other people may... may right. You know, I, I see these posts about, you know, this is how I eat, and that's that's a hobby for you. And right. But, you know... To me, it's are, are are we doing the are we doing the thing? Absolutely. And I'm out there doing the thing. Right. I think if you can play and, and right. you play well, I think that right. speaks volume. Right. Of just because somebody you know it's not doing it full time. Yeah. But I, mean, I w- but I will say on, on on the producer. I mean the the, the thing that I, I haven't done. I've done a couple of remixes that are out there, but everybody's kind of like waiting for me to right to put something to out. put something yeah. out and. Uh, I'm getting there, but that's one of the things that that I've had to sacrifice. Just right. between busy work schedule, family life, and DJing right. all the time, yeah. it's like where do I fit in the the production time? So right. I'm looking forward to folks. Folks, better get ready because when I go. when I wind when I wind this law stuff uh-oh, down a little uh-oh, bit, uh oh, watch out! I'm gonna be totally producer a, DJ only, Allen King. I'm huh? totally on the production tip, <laughs> so that's that's coming for sure. Right, we we spoke about this a little earlier about yeah. your uh your live uh Twitch, you know, DJing uh, Saturday yeah. Night Live. Um, tell us a little bit like that, and and tell me why did you stick with it after the pandemic and during yeah. the pandemic? Yeah, it, it's been a blessing, man. I you know I, I was one of the first. DJs to like get fed up with Facebook and, and head over to Twitch 
Um, and, you know, I really didn't know if folks were going to follow me over there. I barely knew what Twitch was. Right. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I think the, the first night I, I had no plans to play like a long, long set. I just started playing. So next thing I knew, I played like five or six hours. And then that just kind of became my thing. Right. That I, I, I you know, Saturday nights were kind of clear on, on Twitch. And um, I, I've really enjoyed doing these long six-hour sets where you can that's a long stretch time. out. Yeah, that's and, a long time. Yeah, man, I'm up in here. You can, you can feel, <laughs> yeah. you can feel can the heat feel right now. I see so. why you've been sweating up here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. but... You know, to be able to play like new music, old music, right. everything in between, and the response has just been phenomenal. So, you, yeah. so you, you think since you're streaming like that, and yeah. you think people are giving you gigs based on that, also? I, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know that to be a fact on on a good. couple of situations. So that's been good. What's good? Um, yeah, for okay, sure. So, yeah, what's the hardest part of putting together the festival each year? Uh, uh, A.K.A. the chosen few picnic. Yeah, the hardest part of it. Um, you know, it's it's a labor of love. Yeah. It's it's it's. I I don't even call any of it hard. Um, but you know, it's it's the the cost is probably the biggest challenge every year. And right. and and this year, you know, when we came back during a um, you know, kind of a a, a tough economic climate. And um, supply chain issues, like you know, everybody was charging us like right. crazy, crazy. To so you know, the biggest thing every year is is you know we we people think we make a ton of money at this event, and the truth is, some years we make some money, right. some years we yeah. don't make any money. They just don't know the the, and, the, the <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes of what it takes to put a yeah, festival together I mean, like that. Yeah, I mean, it people's heads would spin if they knew how much Absolutely. it costs to produce the event. So, you know, if we can make a little money, that's great. But we're mostly concerned with making enough to reinvest into the event for the next year. So, that's good. yeah, that's that's, good. that's that's the biggest challenge every year. What do you think collectively Chosen Few does well and what could use improvement? Ooh, that's that's a good question. Does Chosen <laughs> Few do well? Um, <clears throat> you know, the picnic, obviously, we do well. I mean, I, I, I think our unity is special um you know whether it's a dj crew or a music group right. or whatever it is you don't usually hear about five people being together for you know 40 years right and not breaking up not somebody yeah. going solo yeah. not you know we all have our individual things but, but we all carry the flag and we yeah. and we all come back together so I, I think our brotherhood and our unity is is extraordinary. That's good. I don't think you, yeah. you see that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, things we could do better. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't have any complaints. <laughs> I don't have any complaints. No, I, I mean, you yeah, know, you get everybody all, saying what yeah, you get, but yeah, that, no, that was the question I had to ask. Yeah, yeah no, no. There, I mean, there's always things you can do better, but I, I think it's, individual things like right. I, i'd like to be doing more producing and right. but as a as a collective um i'm good with how we operate and good, what we good. do yeah now i have to ask what is your origin story with president obama and did he already yeah. like house music or did you turn that <laughs> turn him on to that yeah well pe people assume he's a house head and I, I that might be a little bit too strong a word right i, I, I always say he has a he has an appreciation for house music, but I, okay. I, I don't know if I call him a house head. Right. Um, 
you know, it, it's funny because it's like other friends you have in your life. You know, you look back to where you met and I can't even put my finger on a specific right. time and place, but um, probably playing basketball. I know it was in the probably early to mid 90s. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we played a lot of ball together, right. figured out we had a lot of mutual friends, lived kind of in the same neighborhood and became friends. And so, you know, I, I was helping him with his early campaigns yeah. in the state Senate and all of okay. that. And, um, you know, it just kind of was a, a normal friendship like all of us have until one day this crazy guy said, I think I could be president. Wow. That's good. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's like, yeah, okay, man. We with you, but we'll, right. we'll see. You don't know, so, but yeah, yeah, well, I'm yeah. glad it turned out to be great, man. Oh, so, yeah. It's, it's, and that, that was a good look. I was there the day when you guys premiered the video of President Obama oh, yeah. saying about the Chosen Few Picnic. And yeah. uh, flabbergasting, man. Just like that, that yeah. was... That was it right there. You know, I mean, I don't think you can get higher than that. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you this, the quick story of that. I mean, just to show you what kind of guy he is. Okay. So I, I had been at the White House for, a, it was like a party or something. Right. It was really the first time I had a chance. I pulled him aside for a few minutes to kind of talk about the picnic. Right. And chosen few. And, you know, one of the things I told him, which we, we are proud of, you know, that we've you know, we put 40,000 people in a park on the south side of Chicago and we've never had a single act of violence. Right. We've never had a security incident of any significance. So I was telling him all this stuff mm -hmm. and, and, and that, you know, was resonating with him. And then I hit him. I actually had somebody else hit him, but <laughs> we hit him later and said, can you record an a, a audio greeting for right. the Chosen Few picnic? where we'll just play your voice saying, like, welcome to the blah, blah. Right. So all I asked him for was the audio. Right. And I got a call one day from the White House saying, wow. um, the president has a video for you. Oh, my goodness. And I said, you mean audio, right? He's like, oh, no, it's a video. He cut it this morning. Oh, my goodness. So he had a whole production team to do he, all that? He, right. he did that so all. So you guys didn't set he, that up. He did all that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I had sent him a script okay. for the audio thing. Right, right. And, and he did use... So a lot of what he says on that tape was was you I, I had down. written for him. Okay. Yeah. But I, I had no I didn't ask him to do a video and that was just all on his own. Wow. Because I, I was like, I'm like, did he produce the video? Like, you know, because I mean, getting a president to do a video, I mean he had to call in a lot of people for that, you know. So yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh my goodness. And the the other quick story on that is so so I got the video maybe a few days before the picnic and uh I was trying to surprise everybody, including all my chosen few brothers, right. that, that we had this video. But it was like burning a hole in my phone for like five <laughs> days. I think I finally broke down. I showed it to Terry Hunter. Right. Terry's like head exploding. Right. I'm like, no, just keep this wow. being you. So nobody knew about no, it. No, the rest of the guys, nobody knew about it until wow. that night. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's, that's something right there. It's amazing. See? Okay, so any plans for a chosen few <laughs> record label? Um, I know you said you want to get into it, but yeah. what do you think about that? I think that's a good idea. Um, you know, obviously, Terry's got his labels. Mike's got a label right. and, and doing a lot of different stuff. Uh, I think that is a good idea. Yeah. Maybe when I finally get on this production okay. tip. Um, that, that, well, you remember be... I mentioned it, man, so I, I got to be a part of it, too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we, we would be honored, brother. All right. So name me your all-time favorite house... <laughs> well, Chicago house music record. 
Okay, so if we say Chicago house music, then we're really talking about the the genre, right? Um, I, I still gotta go with Marshall Jefferson house music anthem. Okay, I mean I think that yes, sir. that stands the test of time. Right, you know when whenever people hear it, um, you know Jamie's stuff is right there too. Your love would probably be my second, but but house okay. music anthem. Okay, yeah, you can do one more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, probably music is the key. Okay, Steve. Okay, probably now name me favorite. your top three house music producers. Um, wow, not in some specific order, just you know, off the top of yeah, your head. not just Chicago necessarily, not, no, not just Chicago, no, yeah, um. I, I, get, I gotta go with my chosen few brothers, but I'm gonna lump them together in, okay. in, in Terry Hunter and Mike Dunn. Okay. Um, um, definitely uh, Louis, Louis Vega. Yes. For sure. And uh, I gotta go with Morales, man. Yeah. I like a lot. Morales has been on fire the last yeah, yeah. couple years. Yeah. And, so uh, you know, I'm going with the the okay. vets. The all right, all right. The right. And nothing wrong with that, brother. <laughs> so, how does soulful house music not die off with us, Alan? Um, <clears throat> that's a big concern, man. We and we were talking about this a little bit. I mean, what 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 I worry about is house music becoming what they call period music, correct? Like Motown or yep. or swing or yep. you know, we can't let that just be something that was in the past, right? Um, so we got to find ways to introduce it to the younger people. Part that's part of what why we do the picnic, right. and and part of what we um, want to accomplish with the picnic is you know there there are kids who have grown up correct at the chosen few picnic, so that that's an opportunity with a with a captive audience of young people, mostly old people, but a lot of young people right. to introduce them um, to that music, and then you're starting to see some younger DJs that are sprouting up in the, in the sofa house scene. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. J star, J star for yeah. sure. Just the, the DJ and right. in Jersey. And, um, and I know there's a lot of folks out there teaching DJing and, right. um, yeah. you know, you get a little DJ Marcellus. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we, we just got to find a way that the biggest challenge has been when it, went away from radio right. and you know when when the mixes are no longer on mainstream radio right. you know that's created a a big challenge but you know all we can do is try to keep exposing right. younger people to now the music. now at the chosen few picnic does you guys take a survey of the crowd that's there and 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 get feedback from their their point of view of like what they like, what they dislike, or anything like that. Yeah, we do. We do. Okay. Yeah, we we certainly provide opportunities for that, and and we take that into consideration. Right. Yeah, I mean, our our whole thing is really about making it the best event it can be, as I said, and and uh, so we we definitely listen to that stuff. Okay, good, good, good. But you know, you gotta you gotta weed through the haters. Yeah, all to, the time, to, to man. Fi- Come on, to find a legitimate. That, that's true. Critiques. There but. you go. <laughs> there you go. You know how that is. But Alan, thank you so much, brother, for being on the show, man. I appreciate you for taking this time out. Um, everybody go check out Alan King, you know, all on social media. Check out his Twitch, his Saturday Night Live, uh, six-hour sets, which is a lot <laughs> yes, down <sir>. here. <laughs> and uh, everything House Music and More, just check that out. Uh, get notifications, hit the bell, and subscribe, you guys. And uh, again, thank you, Alan. I appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Peace. All right. Peace.